Hi, good afternoon. I'm Lou Eisen, and this is Ring Talk. Welcome here to uh, my humble abode in Toronto on this blustery, rainy kind of afternoon I like, sort of mirrors my life here in Toronto. Today we're going to talk about a very special fight, one of the first fights I learned about uh, when I was a kid. This is one of the most controversial, if not the most controversial fight of all time. And this fight took place at the Vernon Arena in Vernon, California. California, excuse me, on July 4th, 1912. It's amazing how many fights in the first part of the last century and before always took place on July 4th, you know, the American birthday, Day of Independence. And and uh, it was supposed to be, you know, just patriotic thing. You fight on July 4th for the people. This was a great fight. This was a highway robbery. And the fight was between world lightweight champion Ad Wilgast, the Michigan Wildcat, not to be confused with uh, Stanley Ketchell, the Michigan Assassin. Ketchell was a middleweight, and Wilgast was a lightweight. Wilgast may be, including Fritzy Zivic and the mysterious Billy Smith and other guys, uh, the single dirtiest fighter ever. He he was essentially a, a thug and a bully and a miscreant masquerading as a fighter. He hit guys hundreds of times in the testicles during each fight. He'd headbutt them. He'd kick them. He'd elbow them. You know, he'd use the laces of his gloves to try to cut their eyes out. He'd palm them. Uh, he'd use his thumb to try to poke their eye out. He'd use his thumb to twist and turn. When he hit you with a punch, he'd dig his thumb in there into your liver. And the only guy as dirty, if not dirtier than him, was the man he won the title from, uh, Battling Nelson. Oscar Battling Nelson, who was known as the Durable Dane and, more appropriately, the Abysmal Brute. Today's fight, though, uh, involves uh, Adwell Gast and the great Mexican Joe Rivers. Joe Rivers actually was of Spanish Indian descent, born in California. He was not actually Mexican, but, you know, ethnicity sold back then as it does now. And he was called Mexican Joe Rivers. Rivers was a great fighter. And definitely should have been the undisputed world lightweight champion in this particular fight. Um, you know, he, he uh, was a great fighter. It was basically Rivers was one of the, there were so many great lightweights back then. The division was stacked. You had Leech Cross, a Jewish dentist from New York, who would knock your teeth out during a fight and then set them the next day. You, you know, you had Owen Moran, tremendous puncher from uh britain you know moran was a guy that was beating the hell out of out of ed Wolgast, and, and Wolgast fouled him before he fought joe rivers hit him in the testicles repeatedly Wolgast did this in all of his fights and he always got away with it and he got away with it for one reason uh his his um employee was a well-known referee named jack welsh welsh was on the tape and criminal referee and welsh not in every fight, but many fights involving Wolkast, and he would take money from Wolkast to ensure that Wolkast won. Now, this particular fight um, uh, was because Wolkast was the lightweight champ. He won it in a 40-round bloodbath on on um, uh, on excuse me, uh, uh, right? He, he won it before in a bloodbath to battling. Um, Nelson, he destroyed him in 40 rounds. Nelson was never the same again. So coming up on this fight, July 4th, 1912, at the Vernon Arena, uh, you had Mexican Joe Rivers. The fight 
Will Gass wanted to have the fight in Michigan where he was from because he thought it was better for him and he had his friends there on his side. The fight was scheduled uh, for California. Rivers had a big following there and he wanted Jack Eaton as the referee, but, River, but Rivers wanted that. But because Will Gass was the champ, it was the champion's prerogative back then to, ch to choose the referee. And he chose the house referee, Jack Welsh, meaning that, you know, Will Gass could have come in with a hammer and hit him in the knees and kneecapped him, and Welsh would not have called it. Never did. And, in fact, you know, when Welsh uh, um, refereed the fight where Nelson fought Joe Gans, the great Joe Gans, for 42 rounds, Gans won on a, on a disqualification after Nelson hit him low hundreds of times, finally Welsh, after being threatened by so many people you know, ended the fight. So uh, when you look at the career of all these guys, I mean, um, it's amazing when you think of how many rounds they fought. I just made a note here that, uh, you know, both of these men, um, Nelson fought from May 5th, 1898 to April 17th, 1917. And uh, Wolgatz fought from June 1906 to September 1920. Uh, the amount of rounds that each guy fought was just unbelievable. Um, Nelson fought 132 bouts, and he fought 1,254 rounds. Think about that, 1,254 rounds. Wolkass fought 138 bouts, and he fought 1,123 rounds. Now, he he when he beat Richmond, or he beat... Nelson, excuse me, for the title, Port Richmond Arena, California. The referee was Eddie Smith. He was giving Nelson a brutal beating, and Nelson's eyes were closed. He still wanted to continue, but he was a beat man, and he could have easily been killed. So the referee, Eddie Smith, stopped the fight. He was in fear, and he was probably right that Nelson would have been killed. So we come up to the fight with Mexican Joe Rivers, and this was an incredible fight because Rivers – Rivers was an, a great fighter. He was much more skilled than Wolgast. Wolgast had no defense at all. It didn't occur to him that he didn't know what defense was. You know, this was an illiterate street kid from a large German family in Michigan, and he didn't know what defense was. It, to him, defense was blocking punches with his face. And to him, it was worth it. I'll block 15 with my face to get one or two in on you. And while the referee is breaking us up from a clinch, I'll headbutt you, step on your feet, hit you and your testicles. And he did that repeatedly until he wore guys down. He had a lot more stamina, obviously, when he was younger. And this worked up to a point. But fighters who fight in that all-out style that take three or four shots to give one, uh, it's an exciting style, but it has a very limited shelf life. And so they, we come around to their fight, and Rivers was a, a younger man, more skilled, better fighter. And Rivers grew up, as I said, in California. Everyone loved Joe Rivers in California. He, you know, he was boxing professionally at 16, 17. Within three years at 20, he was a world contender. And he was considered to be the top guy in the welterweight or lightweight division. And there were a lot of great fighters back then in the lightweight division. So uh rivers is getting ready for this fight he's training hard he's uh, Wolgast is trains but you know Wolgast trains like Wolgast always trains he does what he wants he's not concentrating on anything specifically in training 
doesn't take training too seriously because he's fighting, you know, 20, 30, 40 times a year. So he's always in shape. And in fact, both of them came in at un, under the 135 limit. I think Rivers was 132 and a half and Wolgast was 133 and a half. So for the fight, for the first, um, you know, several rounds, Rivers is beating the hell out of Wolgast and easily so because Rivers is a much more talented fighter. Wolgast isn't coming in and setting his shots up. He's not, you know, he was the exact polar opposite of Alexander Yusik in his magnificent win yesterday over Anthony Joshua. You could see that Wolgast had no plans. He just came in windmilling with his arms and wherever his punches landed, so be it. So didn't care about the, didn't care about the rules, uh, didn't care about fouling people. And he didn't have to because Jack Welsh was never going to warn him and, and never going to to um, take a point away or even disqualify him. And, you know, the interesting thing about that is with this particular fight is he committed hundreds of fouls during this fight. He kept hitting Rivers low and the audience was getting angry and Rivers would just look, or Welsh, Jack Welsh, the referee said later, I didn't see anything, didn't see any fouls of any sort. And he was paid not to see, you know, I mean, can you imagine a conflict of interest today to know that a referee for a fight today would be on a fighter's payroll. So Welsh was a terrible referee. He was the Lawrence Cole of referees of his time. He, he, he was openly corrupt and he let, he let uh, Wolgas get away with anything during that fight. So in the early rounds, Rivers is dancing around Wolgas and you know, he's, he's like a matador. Wolgas is running in face first Rivers is sidestepping him and just pounding him to the face. And when Wolgas tries to hold and hit, Rivers is giving it back to him. And he's pounding him to the body and pounding him to the face. And he's giving Wolgas a terrible beating. You know, uh, Joe Levy, who was the manager of, of um, uh, Mexican Joe Rivers, the interesting thing here is he, he didn't care about the referee. Like when they said, well, it's not going to be your guy, Charles Eaton. It'll be Jack Welsh. Now, he knew Jack Welsh w was in the pocket of Ed Wolgast. Why didn't he say anything? You think he would have stood up for his fighter? He said it makes no difference because back then, the talent disparity between Rivers and Wolgast was thought to be so great that it doesn't matter who the referee was, Rivers would knock him out in five or six rounds. And that's not only what Levy thought. That's what everyone else thought, you know, who was writing about the fight, boxing aficionados, other fighters. They thought this would be a walkover for Mexican Joe Rivers. And for the first part of the fight, it was. He was pounding the hell out of Ad Wolcast. He was closing his eyes, broke his nose. Apparently he broke his nose early in the first round and blood kept gushing out and Wolcast just didn't give a damn kept coming forward, kept taking a beating, kept landing his punches. You'd have to wonder, he's thinking, where is this getting me? I'm getting the hell kicked out of me, and I'm not winning these rounds. And it was generally agreed that, you know, after the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, you're looking into the ninth round, and Wolgast is behind eight rounds. And this was supposed to be a 20-round fight, which a lot of fights were then, 20-round fights or 45-round fights in this blistering heat in California. And that's a long distance to go, three-minute rounds. Especially if, and, and Rivers thought, I'm not going to worry about Wolgas because his fouls 
will only get them in trouble and they won't work against me because I'm able to minimize it. What Rivers didn't account for, of course, being so young, but still a veteran, was the fact, was the physical impact of wool gassed fouls, of getting hit in the testicles under his athletic supporter hundreds of times, not dozens, but hundreds, getting elbowed in the eye, getting thumbed in the eye, getting your feet stamped on, getting head-butted on your, on your nose and on your lips, having him take his thumb, try to take your eye out, hits you to the liver and takes his thumb and twists the punch. So he didn't account for the beating and how much, how much physical abuse he was going to take. Everyone, including his manager, Joe Levy, everyone was yelling at Jack Welsh, but Welsh just ignored them all. And this was a one-sided fight. It'd be like watching Roberto Duran early in his title reign. He was just pounding the hell out of Ad Wolgast. The crowd was very pro-Rivers, though they gave Wolgast a great ovation when he was introduced as the champion before the fight, although they gave a greater one to Joe Rivers as a challenger. And he was just taking this feral beating, and it was just a matter of time till Joe Rivers was going to knock out Ad Wolgast and win the Undisputed World Lightweight title. Now, it's interesting. They call it the double knockout. The famous double knockout where they both land a shot at the same time. They both go down, and yet one guy is declared to win it. That's not quite what happened. But but what's interesting to note is I think it was the eighth or ninth round where this happened, same thing that happened in the 13th round, happened four rounds earlier. They both connected with right hands. They both went down. And this has happened recently. It's happened then. It's happened all throughout boxing history. And Jack Welsh, the referee, didn't do anything. He did the right thing. He stood back, and both fighters regained their feet before the count of 10 and resumed the fight. So where is the controversy? Well, there's several controversies. You have Will Gass coming into the fight as one of the dirtiest fighters of his era, and you have Rivers coming into the fight known as a slugger, known as a, a good fighter, uh, a smart fighter, more of a, a hard puncher than, than a knockout power in both hands. Whereas Wolgast, you know, would wear you down over time. So we get to the 13th round, fatal 13th round. And the people at ringside, uh, not only the fans, but the boxing officials, the timekeeper and other people, and, and um, newspaper reporters and other fighters and their managers, uh, they're all there. And... They see the fight, you know, they're only a couple of feet away sitting at ringside. And earlier in the round, Wolgast keeps landing these low blows. He'd been doing it all fight with his right hand, keep right hands to the testicles. He would use his left hand too, but mostly his right hand. And you can get a tape of this on YouTube. The problem is the tape is from behind Joe Rivers. So it's hard to, it wasn't, there was no side view as far as we know. So it's hard to get a good look at precisely, exactly for sure, categorically, of what happened. But what the people at ringside said, the newspaper people and the ring officials said, what happened was this. The fighters were this close. They were clinching. Uh, Wolgast was losing the fight. He knew he was losing the fight. 13th round, he was behind. His own corner said, you're going to lose the title. You got to knock him out. There was no way he was going to knock him out because Rivers was strong and fresh. And so what Wilgas did was he threw a right hand 
as hard as he could, and he hit Rivers in his right or his left testicle, and Rivers, as he's falling out of reflex, throws a right hand and hits Wolgast. Now, people, some people ringside said uh, Wolgast had used a left hook to the testicles. The first person to hit the mat is Mexican Joe Rivers from the foul blow. He goes down. On the way down, as I said, he hit he hit Wolgast. Wolgast has a momentary delayed reaction for a second or two, and then the shot to the chin takes effect, and he falls on top. So you have a big problem. You got one fighter lying on the other fighter, and boxing says that you have to get up under your own strength. You you cannot get up with the help of someone in your corner, the referee, or anyone else. You have to get up under your own ability. And so what happens is, it's near the end of the round, Jack Welsh, in order to save uh, Adwell Gast and his hold on the lightweight title, he grabs Wolgast and lifts him up. He lifts him up and sort of pushes him to the other corner. And then Joe Rivers, when Joe Rivers gets up, the timekeeper gets Jack Welsh's uh, um, attention. And he says, the round is over. And the round ended as Jack Welsh had counted four over Mexican Joe Rivers. Never should have happened because he shouldn't have helped Wolgast up. The fight should have been stopped. But there was no one above Welsh at ringside who had the power to do that. So Wolgast is in his corner. Rivers is up. He's in agonizing pain, but he's up at four. He said, I can continue. I got up under my own strength. I can continue. And once again, the official timekeeper is saying to Welsh, Jack, he got up at the count of four. And Welsh should stop the count. You know, he's, he went on four, five, six. And the timekeeper said, it's over. The round is over. And so Welsh didn't know what to do because Rivers is up. He beat the count. And he points, you know, he there's a delay there for a while. And he points to uh, Will Gast and raises his hand. And the audience goes berserk. Joe Levy gets in the ring and starts screaming at Welsh. This is the biggest robbery in the history of prize fighting. You should be lynched for this. And when Welsh, he knows what he's done is patently illegal. So he goes over to, to Wolgast's corner and he says to him, get him out of here now, now. And his corner, you know, Wolgast was knocked out. His, his corner carries the groggy fighter and runs to the dressing room where they put him in a uh, a car or whatever, and just get him out. They get him out of the arena. Welsh needs a police escort. As Welsh is trying to leave the ring, uh, one of the guys in charge of the boxing commission in California was this huge lawyer. And he said, you're not getting away with that. You were paid to do this. This was corrupt, and you know it. You said, your guy fouled Rivers the whole fight, and he went on a foul, and you helped him win. You're not supposed to do that. And Rivers, or Welsh, of course, said, I didn't see a foul. I didn't see Rivers or Welsh commit one foul. And it's ridiculous. I mean, he saw hundreds of fouls. He ignored them. He was known for that. He didn't expect the audience to be that angry where people were throwing stuff at him. You know, and he had at one point had to say, well, I haven't made my final decision, you know, to buy himself time. And then he is escorted by quite a few police and security people. And he has to leave the arena literally with people chasing after him. They want to kill him. 
and for good reason. What he did was corrupt and criminal. He awarded the fight to the man that had been knocked out. And people were outraged. And in the paper the next day, in the San Francisco Call, there was an article, which I have in my book, which will hopefully be coming out soon, uh, Boxing's Greatest Controversies, uh, Blunders, Blood Feuds, and Bad Decisions. I cover this particular fight. And the guy in the call said that, yes, uh, Nelson, not Nelson, excuse me, Ed Wolgast had claimed that Joe Rivers had need him. And he said he did. He said after Wolgast hit him in the testicles, his knee reflexively came up. But he said it barely touched Wilgas. And as he's going down, you know, he throws the right hand and that drops Wilgas. And he's out. And Welsh should have stood back. If Welsh should stood back and not done anything, eventually Joe Rivers would have got up. He would have pushed uh, Wilgas off and he would have gotten up. Here's the thing after 12 rounds, before the final 13th round, most people agreed that Rivers had won at least 11 to 12 rounds. He was pitching, pitching a shutout. He was beating the hell out of Ed Wolgast. There's no way on earth this fight should have been decided in that particular way. But it was. And here's one of the ironies, of course. So this is 1912, July 4th. Uh, Wolgast eventually loses the title in a brutal beatdown to Willie Ritchie. And he got disqualified. And the reason he got disqualified is because the referee was not Jack Welsh. And I believe the referee was a gentleman named Griffin, who, uh, who I wrote down. Yeah, Jim Griffin was the referee for that fight. And then, of course, uh, after, uh, after he beats Ad Olgast for the title, uh, Willie Ritchie then destroys Mexican Tom Rivers Joe Rivers, he said Mexican Joe Rivers, and is the preeminent lightweight of his era, but until Benny Leonard comes along. Um, both men were never the same again. They fought again uh, a couple more times, and I believe some were newspaper decisions. One was given to Walgast. But um, uh, Nelson, you know, battling Nelson was the guy that sort of started this uh, fracas, you know, so... Nelson was the one who lost the title originally to Wolgast. Nelson was a terrible guy in his own right. He used to bathe in his own urine. So when you get a clinch with him, you'd almost retch. Um, so Wolgast and Nelson didn't like each other. The problem with Wolgast, and this happened to Nelson, uh, you know, Wolgast gets the victory stolen for him by Jack Welsh against Drew Rivers, July 4th, 1912. But he was showing the first signs of dementia. Now you have to understand something. Uh, when you look at these guys, they're not they're not old guys. Now I'd written down the ages here uh, of um, of how old each fighter was, and you know Wolgast was a young guy. So you know Wolgast was born 1888, and February 8th, and he died April 14th, 1955. Now this is what you have to know uh, by 1915, two or three years later, his dementia is really coming out. By 1917, he's done. He's got such bad dementia that from 1917 to 1955, he has to be hospitalized in a mental institution, in a sanitarium, sanitarium, excuse me, because his 
pugilistic dementia is so is so um, strong that he doesn't know who he is and he doesn't know where he is. And his fighting style of taking hundreds of punches is, you know, he had no defense whatsoever, was really what worked against him over his, uh, over his career and over his life. Fighters coming up like that didn't have amateur fighters or the amateur ranks or coaches to help train them. Guys like Wolgast had to train and learn from fighters that he fought or guys that he met in the gym. And he was able to pick up things, but most of what he picked up was foul tactics. No one ever showed him you know, how to slip a punch or to slide under a punch and then counter the guy. He didn't do that. That wasn't his thing. He didn't know how to do that. I mean, he would have stared at you. And his mindset was the same as battling Nelson, who also ended up with severe dementia. His mindset was, you know, if you slip a punch or you slide under it or you block it, you're a sissy. You're less than a man because a real man. And this is what most people thought right up until Ali beat Liston and including that fight. Most, you know, most guys in boxing thought a real man takes a punch. And as Ray Leonard would say, no, a real idiot takes a punch. You don't gain anything by, you know, taking a shot. And because Nelson was throwing windmill shots, excuse me, Wolgast was throwing windmill punches as well as Nelson. They had no balance. So when Wolgast got hit to the chin and to the head, he wasn't balanced properly to diffuse the power of the shot through his legs. He was taking every shot directly on his skull and moving his brain around. And, you know, almost 1,200 rounds of getting hit hundreds and hundreds of times in the head every fight. You can imagine he was literally a vegetable by the end of it. And he still had guys like Larney Lichtenstein and other guys trying to get him fights near the end, you know, in 1917, trying to get him fights. And he would stand there and people knew who he was. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know where he was. And they'd watch him take a beating. They'd watch him get the hell pounded out of him, but they'd applaud him because he was able to stand there and take a beating for 10 rounds. That's not sport. How is that sport? You know, the bell starts. You just stand there and the other guy hits you in the head for 10 rounds, 20 rounds, and you last. You know, last night I was watching the fight between Sergey Lipinets and Omar Figueroa. And I, I, I'm a big fan of Omar F uh, Figueroa Jr. He's a real gentleman. He was a great champion. But there's a point where I'm watching this with some friends and we're thinking, what's going on here? The guy's a shot fighter. His father's got to stop this before he gets seriously injured. He no longer has it. There's nothing wrong with that. But he was smart enough to realize that. Because Wolgast had never had money, he lived hand to mouth, as all fighters did. So he died destitute, as did Mexican Trollbergers, as did Battling Nelson, as did most of them. One of the very few that lived beyond their career was Benny Leonard. And that's because he put defense first. He was the anomaly. He was the guy that wasn't going to stand and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you. He, he put a premium on defense, and he could stick a move, and he could knock you out. He'd slug with you, but he wasn't going to take your shots, stand there purposely and take your shots. And, of course, the ironic thing is Benny Leonard died of a heart attack at age 46 in St. Nicholas Arena in New York while refereeing a fight. So that's kind of sad. That was 1947, I believe. But when we get back to Wolkost and Rivers, that it never died now. People still talked about it. They still talk about it today. Uh, as I said, they had a rematch, and it went to a no decision. A lot of these guys, when you look at the record, there'll, there'll be a certain number of fights, you know, and, and you'll see that um, 132 bouts, 
for for uh, Nelson for ne not for Nelson for Ad Wolgast, excuse me, and fifty nine wins, twenty KOs. He had twenty two draws, and you think, well, that's that's doesn't add up to one hundred and thirty two. But a lot of these were newspaper decisions, where the newspaper would say who they thought won the fight after. And so they would agree beforehand to fight. The title doesn't change hands unless, unless uh, you knock the guy down or, you, or excuse me, you knock him out. So in this case, it didn't happen. Uh, Rivers should have been able to knock Wolgas down, and they did have a double knockout earlier in the fight. Rivers won the fight. He was ahead by 12 rounds, and everyone pretty well agreed, especially Wolgas corner, that if this fight had gone on, you know, for another round or two, Rivers would have definitely stopped Wolgast. But Wolgast, like a lot of fighters, was so desperate that he threw a low blow. He was doing it the whole fight, and this time he thought, you know, I have nothing to lose. And there were people at ringside that said he did it with his left hand. Other people said he used a knee. But the four doctors in attendance for the California State Athletic Commission all examined Joe Rivers after the fight, his athletic supporter and his testicles, and they agreed he was hit by a punch in his testicles, which really severely dented the, the um, uh, athletic supporter and gave him, a, you know, almost ruptured his testicles. So he was in excruciating pain. This happened when Ken Buchanan lost his title incorrectly to Roberto Duran, when Duran hit him under the belt, you know, low, after the bell, which was ridiculous. So same thing here. Um, after these fights, the men have divergent careers. Joe Rivers goes on, and Joe Rivers keeps fighting. But as he keeps fighting, he's doing well, but he doesn't really ever get another title shot. No, one, no They know how good he is. They're not going to give him a chance. Nelson keeps – I keep saying Nelson. Will Gass keeps fighting, and he doesn't get another title shot. He's fighting really good fighters. And he's losing most of the time. And from 1917 on, he was committed to a mental institution. It, it's sad because he dies all alone. And he spent 35, 38 years alone, you know, in the fog, misty memories of his mind. He, as I said, he didn't know who he was, where he was, or what he was. But when he died at the funeral, there was an article and there was a photo of a tiny little guy in rumpled well-worn clothes who came to pay his respects in in uh milwaukee and the man had come from california and that man was mexican joe rivers as he said after and it takes a big man to say this he said it was never personal with ad and i that's just the way he fought i didn't hold it against him it was the referee who made the mistake um that's the way i'd fought and you either accepted it or didn't accept it so you can see in that particular respect that Rivers, you know, was the bigger man. The fact that they, you know, they their careers were incredibly long. I mean, if you look at Wolgas' career, um, you know, Wolgas, 1906 to 1920, I believe. So that's, you know, that's a long, long time. And Nelson fought on to, I think, 19, excuse me, Wolgas, Rivers fought on till around the same time period. Uh, Battling Nelson fought on to 1917. And 
these guys were great fighters. They were dirty fighters, except for Joe River. They gave the fans everything they wanted. These are little guys, 133 to 135 pounds, who could put 15, 20,000, 30,000 people in the arena and it would sell out tickets because they were exciting fighters. And, you know, one reason why they wouldn't disqualify Nelson or Wolgast earlier in a fight, you know, especially Wolgast in his fights, earlier fights, was because fans could hardly afford the tickets. Tickets were expensive. And so most fans were people from the lower middle class and made very little money. And fighters made in one fight, which same amount these guys made in a year or two years or three years. So, uh, you know, a man with a family and a job and kids had to save up for over a year just to go see this title fight. So you didn't want to disqualify a guy, even if it was an egregious foul, which it was with Wolgas, because, he, you know, the guy spent all this money. And now, because this is going on, you know, he wasted his money. Plus, he probably made a side bet, you know, with someone. And because it was ended on under such controversy, all the bets were pulled off. So whatever money you bet as a fan, you're not going to get it now. That money's lost, as well as the money you paid for a ticket. So this fight lost boxing a lot of fans. And, and it took the state of California, you know, uh, a good 30, 40 years to win those fans back. It helped a lot with Jimmy McClarnon, you know, in, in the late 20s, early 30s. But it wasn't until the 50s, 60s that the state of California and boxing really started to come around and gain back a lot of the lost fans. And those fans were lost because they, you know, people passed it on that if you go to a fight, you're gonna get screwed. A fighter can do whatever he wants to win and whoever's winning, if you're winning, doesn't make a difference. It's up to the corrupt person in charge to decide the victor and the fans had had enough. And because of that, you know, it was tough for these fighters to get good money. They never really fought for big money again. And when I say big money, I, I think um, uh, Wolgas got 20 grand and Rivers got two grand, which was a lot of money, but 20 grand. Plus, you know, Wolgas got a part of the concessions, part of the film rights. So that was good money coming in. Unfortunately for Wolgast, he got used to, like a lot of poor people, living high off the hog. And it came back to haunt him because at the end of his career, he had no money. And uh, that was unfortunate. So some people, when I've mentioned this fight, say to me, well, whatever happened to Jack Welsh? He's what uh, Joe Frazier would call a scambuga, you know, a rogue, a criminal, um, terrible ref. So what happened to Jack Welsh? After this fight in 1912, he refereed four more times. Uh, he couldn't referee any more Volgas fights because people just, you know, fighters would say a manager's, well, you can use Jack Welsh, but we're not fighting it. It's happened. You know, sorry, look for someone else to sucker. And so Welsh, uh, one of the fights, last four fights he ever did was the Jack Johnson fight with Jess Willard, to which Welsh actually said, you know, um, if it was a 20-round fight, uh, Johnson wins 17 rounds to three. I mean, he was killing the guy and this ran out of steam, but that's a story for another day. But it affected Welsh's career. It adversely affected um, Ad Wolgas's career. But it also adversely affected Joe Rivers, not just physically, but mentally, because he always had that stigma that he was winning the title, but he had it stolen from him. And then to go up against a guy like Willie Ritchie, who savagely beat him down. 
And then you have to think, I was just close to being the world champion, and now there's a new champion, and it's just not going to happen. Uh, you can get this fight on YouTube. People still discuss this fight. People still say, well, what happened? Who should have won? Clearly, uh, Adwell Gast had cheated through his compatriot, uh, referee Jack Welsh. Clearly, when they both hit the canvas, first of all, Wolgas should have been disqualified many times before, but that just wasn't going to happen with Jack Welsh ever. After that, when they both went down for the second time around 13, Welsh should have stood back. And as it says in the boxing rules back then and today, you got to get up on your own power. Uh, and Wolgas didn't do that. You could actually see Welsh helping him up and then continue the count. And of course, there was the controversy because Rivers also beat the count and didn't get the benefit of the doubt. You know, Welsh, I got to do something. I can't, I can't cheat my guy because he's not going to pay me. So my guy wins. And they literally, you know, Welsh and Olgast had to leave the arena with cars literally following them, with people wanting to stop them and lynch them. It was one of the craziest uh, moments in boxing history. Uh, I would say easily the, or arguably, the most controversial fight uh, ever to take place in boxing that I know of. The, that I know of, the double knockout. Please go to YouTube and watch this fight and then let me know what you think at Eisen at rogers.com. Also, as I said, my book will be coming out soon, Boxing's Greatest Mysteries, and I'll have an update on that in a couple of weeks and let you know. And I want to thank Eric Boyce for doing a great job of producing uh, this fight, and, or this fight, this particular show. And I think that's it for this episode. I hope you all enjoyed uh, another edition of Ring Talk. I'm boxing historian and writer Lou Eisen. And I think next week I'll try to do something on battling Nelson because I've been mentioning him by accident so often during this podcast that maybe I should just go ahead and talk about his fight with uh, Joe Gans uh, next week, which I think I will do. We'll talk about the Joe Gans battling Nelson, the 42-round fight in Coma, California, under tremendous heat. And at that point, Gans was already suffering from tuberculosis. But that is next Sunday's podcast. Thank you for watching. I'm Lou Eisen, and I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. And always please support the great sport of boxing. Thank you.